Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Okay, well, happy start to summer. Hope you had a great Memorial Day week. Yeah, it's uh, still still warm. Still pretty warm out there. Will be for the next three months. No doubt. Yeah, summer is here. Yeah. Time for vacations, though, right? Vacation. I mean, that's right. Yeah, it's exciting. We're going to talk about people graduating. Things. You know, it's a it's a great time of the year. It is a great time of the year, exactly. And hopefully, summer will be cooler than spring was because it was <laughs> a pretty warm spring when mm-hmm. you look at last week. But uh, you know, but we have some great topics here. I mean, one of them is the five big Medicare mistakes to avoid. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're starting Medicare. Uh, here soon, you're you're reaching age 65. You want to be careful that you don't make some of the classic mistakes because there are some potholes you can fall into when you're electing Medicare and when you're renewing Medicare every year. So you need to pay attention to these. Yeah, we're going to follow that up with uh, a discussion of wasting money. There's a gentleman, Richard Quinn, 75 years old, and he kind of goes through his um, his top list. And there's actually 16 items on here. There's a couple pretty funny ones on here. So are they? Hang around for that one. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's kind of light because it sounds kind of miserly. You know, like you're going to like beat us down with. Yeah, uh, he with, he <laughs> says vacations are a waste. Oh, uh, now I know there gonna, I might I depart. I know we, we might depart on that issue. I know. I'm with you. I was a little surprised, but there's some other, there's some good ones on here. So yeah, those are good. They'll be fun. That's a good topic. And um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 24 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, join. Uh, take a look at our uh, website, moneymd.net, and we have uh, the podcast linked uh, up there so you can listen to this week's. And we also have a couple hundred. You can go back in uh, a variety of topics. I think we've covered pretty much every financial topic over the last how long have we been doing this now? 2011 is when we started. Yeah, that's so right. Eight years. That's eight years. Yeah, long, long time. time. Come a long way, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, that's right. We so, started uh, on Elvis's birthday. I remember that. That's right, in January. I remember that, too. We were celebrating that. So anyway, check out our website, uh, Facebook page, MoneyMD, and Twitter handle also. Yeah, and you can email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. And we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the National Opinion Research Center. And Steve, I mean, we're we're in in very good economic times. We talked about last week about how um, unemployment rate is very very low. Um, you know, there's a lot of jobs available out there. Wages are, are rising, um, but you know, we haven't educated our our you know our people. I mean, going through high school, people are not taught uh, financial topics, and as a result, 31 percent of about a thousand working adults that were surveyed in February of this year, said they would not be able to pay for daily necessities without utilizing a credit card Mm. uh, or accessing their retirement savings if they were to miss just one paycheck. And uh, 51% of those surveyed said they would have to use a credit card or dip into savings if they were to miss more than, than one paycheck. And we saw that when the government was shut down. Yeah, right? that's true. We, we saw did. those stories coming out, and, and um, you know it is. You know when the markets, when things are going well, uh, in in your your life, and and you know your business is going well, you have a good job. You got to set some aside 
for Absolutely. difficult times. I and mean, I, I'll disagree with you a little bit okay. here, and that is, I don't think it's purely education. I think it's the, the majority of it is discipline. You know, it's a combination. I mean, people I, can't deny themselves long enough to accumulate three months worth of, of emergency fund. Yeah, it's 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 a combination. I agree with that. I it agree. Is, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. It's very important. You're right. I mean, education may would give them the tools to motivate them and to teach them how to to you know have some discipline but you know it's just like these this topic we're going to talk about and how to save you know money mm-hmm. or farewell to money mm-hmm. uh, how not to have frivolously spend your money um you know most people just don't have the 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 wherewithal i guess to hold back on you know spending overspending money and uh, unfortunately yeah 51 percent not more than can't miss more than one paycheck that's that's pretty sad because you know the rule of thumb is three to six months in an emergency fund yep. um you have to have an adequate buffer credit cards can't be the answer so yeah and, good fact of the week but and retirement savings can't be the answer it can't be the answer you have to start building up some money so um anyway we're going we're going to ju- kind of jump into that topic here mm-hmm. in a minute back into that but first we're going to start off here talking about uh, Medicare. There are five big mistakes you can make in Medicare that you need to avoid. And this is based on an article out of Bottom Line Personal, Philip Moeller. Um, but, you know, Medicare, John, is similar to Social Security in the sense that it seems very simple on the surface. But in reality, there are a lot of complicated rules surrounding your choices. Um, and it really can pay to understand those rules and make sure you're you're getting the best and the most benefit that you can get on these from these vitally important decisions in the, in this plan. You know, these costly mistakes are often made during the annual uh, open enrollment period during which you're allowed to make adjustments for the following years of co- year of coverage. So here are five of the most common mistakes that people make uh, which can cost them big. So the first one here, though, is missing Medicare's odd deadline for open enrollment. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a really strange deadline. It's actually December the 7th. Yeah. I mean, you would have thought it would have been December 31st, right? Um, but, you know, and that's what most people assume, you know, kind of like the Obamacare deadline, even uh, of, D- of January 31st, you know, which is pretty generous. But instead, it's D-Day. It's December 7th. Mm-hmm. So you have to make any of the changes you want at the start of October 15th, between October 15th and December 7th. And if you miss that early December deadline, you might not be allowed to alter your coverage for another year unless you experience some any number of uh, life-changing events, such as a marriage or a relocation. Yeah, another mistake here, Steve, is uh, is assuming that the options that were best for you in the past are still the best for you going forward. So, you know, Medicare beneficiaries often stick with the same selection for a lot of years simply because reevaluating those selections is time-consuming and is also very confusing. But if your health care needs have changed, those earlier selections, you know, might no longer be good. I mean, they, they need to be looked at. The expensive prescription drugs, you now require might be better covered by a different Part D uh, plan, for as an example. So you got to reevaluate this on an annual basis. Yeah, and that's really the the one of the key areas that does change frequently, and that is your Part D coverage, as you just mentioned. So that Part D plan that you have, or the Medicare Advantage plan you have, which is a a private uh, Medicare approved coverage that you can have in lieu of Medicare, that kind of wraps it all together. 
Um, you know, that plan may not may not be the same. It may have changed over the past year because those Part D plans do often change. They reduce or eliminate their coverage of certain drugs due to spikes in the prices of those drugs, for example. And many of the Medicare Advantage plans have been making changes to their provider networks, um, meaning that your health care providers might not might no longer be in the network. So what you should do is you should use Medicare's online plan finder tool um, every year to reanalyze your Medicare options each year. So you go on Medicare.gov, you click, click on the green Find Health and Drug Plan tab, um, <clears throat> and so you, you just take a look every year um, and, and make sure the plan you have is still the best one for the medications that you're taking, particularly on that Part D plan. Also, you can read the the plan's annual notice of change that's sent to you every year by your current Medicare Part D plan provider and the Medicare Advantage plan if you have a Medicare Planage, Advantage plan. that comes in September. Um, that notice will lay out any changes that's been made to the plan from the prior year, and it's relatively easy to re-understand language. Um, so look for those changes and how that's going to affect you, such as your drug that you take being dropped from coverage or, you know, made available only in uncertain circumstances. Deductibles, copays can change. Um, but contact your health provider. Ask them to confirm that they're still in the network as well for your Medicare Advantage plan if you have a Medicare Advantage plan um, for the year. So that was number two. Next one here, though, is assuming that you can easily make changes to Medigap plans during open enrollment. Okay, so a Medigap plan is a uh, is a is a is a plan, a private plan that kind of pays the deductibles and the copays for Medicare. Okay, a lot of people have those plans. It fills in the gap between you know your personal you know out of pocket expenses and Medicare, what Medicare covers. And open enrollment is a great time to change those plans. Um, for, uh, well, I mean, particularly for Medicare Advantage and Part D plans, but that isn't necessarily true with the Medigap plans. Um, you know, the limitation means that sometimes it isn't, it isn't wise to, to, to make those changes to Medicare coverage because your Medigap plan, you, you got to change at a different time. Yeah. The Medigap plan, like you said, is just basically supplemental insurance. So as an example, Medicare Part B, which covers medical services such as doctor visits and surgeries, typically pays about 80% of the incurred cost, and it leaves the patients with 20% out of pocket. So a Medigap plan um, could cover you know all or the remaining 20% in exchange for you paying a monthly premium. Um, but many Medicare recipients don't realize that, you know, that the companies that sell Medigap coverage are required to sell these plans at their standard rates only during the first six months that the recipient is Medigap eligible. So after that, the companies can charge uh, pretty expensive premiums or they can even deny coverage entirely. So you got to make sure that's coordinated. Yeah, that's right. So while you could switch from Medicare Advantage to the original Medicare plan during open enrollment, you might not be able to do that to a Medigap plan or a supplement plan. Uh, so and you may not be able to do it at a decent price. So um, while you could switch from the original to to another plan to Medicare Advantage, for example, during open enrollment, <clears throat> Medigap plans uh, that they, they're they're different. So you got to look at both plans, and they're regulated by the states. Um, so there might be rules in your state uh, that are different from other states. So 
Anyway, the bottom line is you need to search your state's health insurance assistance program for details and, you know, make sure that you read the annual notices about when your plan has, when you can change your Medigap plan. Mm -hmm. And I will just make a a note here. I've got a, um, know a couple of folks in the area that, that work on Medigap, you know, they, Mm. they sell it. This stuff is, is confusing, right? It is complicated. You need to have, you need to have somebody that you're working with, um, that uh, provides some of these plans. I mean, the Medigap, um, plan, um, you know, choosing the Medigap plan based on the uh, issuer also is a mistake. And uh, there's a lot of different codes. There's 10-letter codes um, that are uh, very similar in most states. It's A, B, C, D, F, G, K, L, M, or N. So every plan with a particular letter code is required to offer exactly the same coverage as every other plan available in that state with the same letter code. So any plan with a code of F or C will cover your entire Medicare Part B and Part A deductibles, for example, um, along with a you know pre preset list of other expenses, and in certain cases, plans with certain letter codes might offer might be offered with either a low or a high deductible. So, uh, you know, this is where it starts. You know, this is confusing. It, like you said, started yeah. out. You got to yeah. work with someone who's going to help you navigate this. It does sound a little bit confusing, but I guess what they're trying to say here, you know, the main point is Medigap plans with the same letter code. They're all exactly the same. So you don't have to go shop insurance companies. You need to go out, find the company that offers the plan. First, find the letter plan that you want that has the coverage level that you want. And then the cup, right. And then go find the cheapest plan. Doesn't matter which company you get it from because it's going to be exactly the same in your state. That's really what they're talking about here. So, um, you know, so just get the lowest price plan, but you might want a Medigap policy because the deductibles can add up in Medicare um, and be substantial. And then uh, the next mistake, though, is expecting too much out of your your Medicare Advantage dental, vision, and hearing coverage. Um, Yeah, so whenever you're picking Medicare, you have the option to take a Medicare Advantage plan that kind of wraps prescription drugs, wraps everything together in one plan. It's a privately sanctioned plan that replaces Medicare Um, Or you can take the original Medicare plan. Well, a lot of the reasons that people pick the Medicare Advantage plan is because it includes dental, vision, and hearing coverage. But what they're saying here is don't expect too much from that because (laughs) it's not as good as it sounds. You know, Um, you know, they're saying that the coverage that's included usually is quite limited and the plan participants still end up paying the majority of those costs out of pocket. So you're not going to get some $5,000 hearing aid mm-hmm. on the on the Medicare Advantage plans, what they're saying here. So, you know, the dental vision, hearing costs, they're a big reason that people do choose that plan. But if that's what you're looking for, they're saying you might want to go, you know, shop a private plan just for that coverage and stick with the original Medicare plan. What the bottom line is, read, read, read the coverage details, you know, know what the annual coverage maximums are. Um, you know, don't assume that this coverage is going to going to cover everything you're looking for with dental vision and um, and hearing coverage. And also, you know, AARP, they have a standalone plan that you can buy that covers dental and vision. So, you know, look at other choices you have 
for uh, for for getting that coverage instead of just automatically picking Medicare Advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the final mistake here is getting caught in the Medicare hospital trap. And interestingly enough, not every patient in a hospital has been admitted to the hospital. So uh, hospitals obviously have been under pressure to reduce their readmission rates. And recently they've been holding an increasing percentage of patients for observation rather than actually you know, admitting them into the hospital. And that that can be for a couple of days. And so that lack of a formal hospital admission can have a devastating financial consequence for Medicare patients who are going to require rehabilitation, maybe in a nursing home following that stay. So original Medicare will pay up to 20 20 days of rehabilitation at a skilled nursing facility if the nursing home stay occurs immediately after the patient was actually admitted to a hospital for a minimum of three consecutive nights. So that's a tricky one. Yeah, it is, because patients given observation status don't qualify under this rule and, and might have to pay thousands of dollars out of pocket as a result. You know, a federal law that took effect um, recently requires hospitals to notify patients that they've been given observation status. Um, and previously, patients didn't learn about that until they received their bills, if at all. So, um, hmm. so anyway, if you have a loved one that's given observation status, Um, and a nursing home stay could follow, you know, ask the doctor whether he or she can change this this status decision and actually omit them so that they will they will be qualified under Medicare um, for the 20 days of rehabilitation at a skilled nursing facility. That's kind of the moral of the story here. Pay attention to how they admit you in the hospital and whether it's really admitted or whether it's observation status. So um, anyway, a lot of complication there, but just be aware, you know, there are some pitfalls that you can fall into with Medicare, and uh, you just need to be careful during that open enrollment period that you pick the right plan and you reevaluate that every single year. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, last week, Steve, we had a... (laughs) A prescription of the week of you know going to Social Security office and and making sure you uh, you you follow up with them and get some specifics about your situation and uh, details on that. But this question is is you know my local Social Security office gave me bad information um, that caused me to start my benefits sooner than I should have, costing me money. Is there any way to get Social Security to compensate me for this? And mm. uh, the answer is possibly if you can prove that they gave you the wrong information, but. Um, you're, you're pushing a rock uphill. It's going to be hard, um, to, to, you know, prove that you had erroneous guidance. Um, and even if they do make a mistake, um, sometimes it's difficult for them to, to move on it. So that's like you said, when you call, you may get two different answers. You may want to call a third time and see if you get a consistent answer with one of the two, because we have heard of, of that happening before, but there are some good, good folks locally in the social security offices that know what they're doing and they know the system very well. So still encourage folks to reach out to them. Yeah, you just want to do your own research, as we talked about last week. You know, you you got to be careful because um, it's like talking to the IRS. You may get two different answers when you call. Uh, so you might want to research online at ssa.gov uh, and then, you know, call the office as well and confirm your answer. Because, yeah, it's going to be hard to get any kind of compensation from Medicare, you know, for Social Security once you once you get told the wrong story. Um you want to make sure that you get the right advice the first time would be our suggestion for sure. So good, good question. And that leads up here to our next topic, and that is farewell money. Adios. What does that mean, John? Well, it's coming from uh, Richard Quinn, a uh, humble dollar. Um, 
And uh, this gentleman's 75 years old, and um, he consi- considers himself an expert on uh, you know how to not waste money. Wow, right? I know some 75-year-olds that mm. are experts on that. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents, in-laws, in-laws okay. particularly, very, very thrifty, you know, and yeah. my father was, boy, I mean... So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a generation knew how to save money and we all could learn from that because you definitely, you, yeah. you got to get serious. Good items on this list. And, uh, and, you know, we've all heard the reports. Most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. We talked about that in our, you know, financial fact, a large number can't come up with a $400, uh, you know, for an emergency and there's, there's no money to save for retirement and other goals. And most of that data comes from surveys where people are in effect saying they don't have enough income. And his reaction uh, to this is stores, fitness centers, and entertainment venues are packed with shoppers. Uh, Many of them buy unnecessary goods and services. And if three quarters of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, how can they afford to spend things on like, you know, Starbucks coffee and, you know, expensive cell phones and so forth? Uh, He says, I have yet to see Warren Buffett or Bill Gates in one of the many local spas. And that's probably because they've built their own. (laughs) <laughs> maybe so right. have a private one in their house That's i don't right. know about that you know but uh but he makes a good point here you know i mean most of live most americans live like no other people on earth i mean we have more stuff bigger stuff you know we we rent storage spaces to hold our stuff that we can't fit in our own house you know when mm-hmm. we move we won't get rid of it um we have garage sales and we sell brand new stuff at our garage sales because we never used it you know, we have larger houses, bigger vehicles, more shoes, you know. Um, so, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, in in his opinion, he's right. We can't tell the difference between needs and wants, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I go to, we go to a nice restaurant occasionally, and when we do, it's packed. And I'm just shocked when I look around and I see folks that, you know, just got off of their very blue-collar job, you know, and nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, just people that just seem like families bringing their kids, you know, to really expensive restaurants. And I just kind of scratch my head. I'm like, man, when my kids were small, you know, we, we took them to Ron's Steakhouse. And mm-hmm. we we brought in the coupons. and to a Mexican restaurant eat chips and oh, salsa. Oh, man. I mean, we ate for like $15 for the whole family. I mean, we were really, we were wearing out the kids' meals. Yeah. So he goes on to say, you know, uh, and he's right. I mean, we we as a society are unable to control our spending and, and manage our money. And so here's 16 things that the 75-year-old considers big money wasters. And the first one is, interesting, tattoos. You have any tattoos? I don't have any of those, John. Yeah, I hadn't seen any, but I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna pry or anything like hey, that. But you know, I mean, nothing wrong with them. I mean, some of them are, some of them are great looking. They're cool, yeah, but they're expensive though. Yeah, uh, from what he's heard, a good tattoo artist charges two hundred dollars an hour. It's pretty wow. expensive. That is pretty expensive. So, yeah. um, you know, tattoos are cool. Um, so when you see somebody that's just covered from head tatted, to toe with yeah, tattoos, thousands of dollars. They spent thousands of dollars. Yeah, on it. yeah, that's right. Another one here. You're not gonna like this one. Vacation. Out. Now that one does. He hurt. says that's a waste. Everyone needs that a break. Um, but he says your kids will survive if they never go to Magic Kingdom. That's well, probably true. I agree with that. I, I'd never liked Magic Kingdom, quite frankly. We only went once with our kids, but we did go to the Universal quite a few times. They love roller coasters, but we had a deal for that too. I mean, we got that on a deal. We really did. And uh, got like a season pass yeah. and drive down yeah. there for two years, you know, <laughs> a lot. But yeah, I mean, he's right. I mean, you know, we you can be careful. people can really break the You can budget. waste money, that's for it, sure. It, the key is all this stuff has to be budgeted. It's going to be part of a very prudent budget that includes saving 15% for retirement and includes funding your emergency fund. 
you know, none of these things are bad if they're if they're properly budgeted. That's for. right. College is the next one. Picking a college involves a lot of factors. We've talked about this. Affordability is one that's overlooked. I mean, if you if the cost of the school you choose will land you in debt, then you you better have a plan for paying it off. Don't mortgage your future. Um, there's a lot of great um, you know degrees that you can get in a year or two years by going to like Aiken Tech. For an example, absolutely, college sure. is not is not for everybody out there. So you got to be careful. You can waste a lot of money with getting a wrong degree or just a wrong fit. Yeah, and here's one that, like I mentioned, that people really wear out, and that is restaurants. There's more eating out nowadays than that there ever used to be. You know, 20 years ago <laughs> or 30 years ago, um, for sure. <clears throat> and uh, you know, buying the four dollar, you know, uh, you know, cappuccino. It's expensive, but, uh, you know, it's also a luxury, he says. I mean, you know, skip that daily $4 coffee, and after 30 years, you'll have saved more than $121,000, you know, assuming about a 6% yearly return. So, uh, you know, that's a lot of money you can save just by not spending that $4 a day. Yeah, opportunity lost is another farewell money, not getting your employer match, not doing Roth IRAs. Mm, That one's painful. Yeah, withholding too much from your paycheck and getting refunds. You're basically giving the, um, the, you know, the government an interest-free loan. Number six here on the list is transportation, $40,000 SUVs, trucks. I mean, gosh, we see a lot of those out there. They're driving their retirement, as Dave says. Yeah, sixty dollars or $70,000. He says his four kids grew up riding in a 1972 Duster. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. a duster, do you? Right. Well, we had a 68 Impala. So okay. We rode in. <laughs> we had a big old station wagon. So, um, you know, and, it, you know, I see a lot of people that want to start doing camping and they want to buy a 40 or 50 or $60,000 camper. Well, guess what? You have to have a 40, 50 or $60,000 truck to pull that yeah, camper too. So I'm, that's I'm expensive. You, you won't save money on a huge camper, you know, not likely. Uh, you could go stay at, you know, a cheap hotel <laughs> probably. But uh, but it can be fun. There's nothing wrong with it. Again, it just has to be properly budgeted for. Yeah, credit cards, um, you know, if you're not paying that off every month, you're paying interest on that. You're 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 throwing money out the window. Yeah, that's right. Lottery is another one. Um, you know, I mean, we don't have to tell you. I mean, lottery is is a tax on people who are bad at math. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, don't go waste your money on lottery tickets. I mean, it's one thing to buy an occasional, you know, Powerball ticket that mm-hmm. gets up to $300 million or something. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. <clears throat> but, you know, if you go buy it every week, you are wasting way too much money. And then there's clothing, you know. <clears throat> um <laughs> And uh, you know, I mean, if you look at if you look at your your closets, chances are they're just busting the seams yeah. with clothing. So, you know, you really you got to assess whether you really need new clothing because you can spend a mint on new clothing every month if you're so inclined. Okay, ladies, I didn't write this next one, but shoes. Ouch, um, yeah, the average woman owns more than 25 pairs of shoes. You are in the doghouse. I am. I can't believe you brought I that am. one up. I just, you know, it's on the list. I, I was going to gonna skip over that one. Were you really? I should have given that. I just want that. Kathy to know I was not going to bring that one up. Kathy doesn't have 25. No, right? actually, she doesn't. She's very frugal okay. with school, with shoes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Another one here is souvenirs. People buy all this stuff, and it's just not needed. It's not worth it. Failing to look ahead. For retirement is another one, um, you know, no backup plan. Yeah, I mean, not having the emergency fund, not not having money saved, you know, not thinking about the what ifs, how to deal with them. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, people just don't think ahead exactly. And then holidays is another one, you know. I mean, somehow every December, um, you know, financial caution goes out the window and we pay 
pay for it the following year with, you know, all the stuff that you bought, you know, and, and decorating your house and the millions of lights that some people put up. It's just kind of crazy how much money can people can spend on holidays. Another one, toys. Um, studies show that U.S. parents spend $6,500 on toys during the child's upbringing. Um, you know, I remember our kids when they were young, we would put a pot in, or pan in front of them with a little wooden stick and they would beat on that versus playing with an expensive toy. So he's right. I mean, we waste money on toys. Here's a, here's my favorite. I think haircuts, the average haircut is about $28 in a barbershop. Oh, wow. That's probably a cheap one. Yeah. I mean, I pay less than that, by the way. Okay. I do too. Don't say it looks like it. I was was, was, (laughs) going to say say that, but (laughs) he says 12 bucks for a local barber. So these, these are good things. Um, you know, some of the things you got to really look at and it comes down to budgeting and telling your money where to go and where not to go. Right. You just got to pay attention to small stuff. That's the, that's the, and the big stuff too, but he makes a good point, you know, so, uh, you got to do some budgeting. You got to know where your money's going and, and make those priority decisions with with a, a big plan in mind. So good uh, topic. And that leads up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this uh, prescription is do college planning. We have a lot of folks that are graduating in the area. Um, it's not too late. You got to look at majors. Go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York. <clears throat> it lists all the majors. It shows unemployment rate. It shows underemployment rate, which means you have a degree, but you can't work in that field. Uh, It shows uh, what the wages are coming out of school, median, uh, mid-career wages. And the other one, which is really interesting, Steve, is it shows the degrees that have the – or the the majors that have the highest share of graduate degrees. So, in other words – um, we talked about philosophy, you know, last week. It's about fifty-seven percent of people that have a philosophy undergrad get a grad degree. So yeah, so you're going to have to go get another degree if that's what you're going into to be able to get a job. So mm-hmm. you just got to recognize that. I mean, psychology is probably the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just recognize that you know you, you, some degrees are not four-year degrees. Really, you get a four-year degree, but you can't use it till you get you know more. So. Um, yeah, it's a great prescription of the week. And so like we said last week, you need to, you need to make sure you get an effective education, an education where it's worth the money. You know you're going to get a job that can pay back those student loans and you're going to make enough money to make it worth, you know, to, to make it worth your education and your time and your effort and the money that you put into it. So um, just, you know, be careful whenever you um, – when you sign up for that major yeah, in college, do some do some planning. Yeah, it's really got to be a life decision about what your career is going to be and how much money you're going to make the rest of your life. So, good topic. All right, and that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website moneymd.net and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at seven zero six. 739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.